Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. God is so good. In fact, we started just last week a series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And there was somebody came here, it was their first time, and they came to this church and they said, God, I need to know more about the Holy Spirit. And they said, and we came in and you're preaching on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know, I grew up in a church. It was like the Father, the Son, and the Holy who? I mean, we said we believed in the Holy Spirit, but we didn't teach anything about him. We didn't teach anything about, you know, the current day operation of the gifts. In fact, they kicked us out when we got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence. They kicked us out of our own church, the church that my grandparents helped start. And we got, in, you know, involved in this Bible study and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they said, everybody who believes in that speaking in tongues, you sit down and stay where you're at. Everybody else come forward. Listen, you do not kick the Holy Ghost out of church and win. And that church... It was in southeast Colorado in a small town. It always run 75 to 100 people. It went right down, and it stayed at 10 to 20 people for about 10 years. And then they got a pastor, and they didn't realize he was one of those uh, <laughs> baptized in the Holy Spirit people. <laughs> Praise God. By then, the denomination changed their uh, language. They said, well, that might be okay. Just put it off in the back room. Don't, don't do it out in public. You know, when the, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was on the day of Pentecost, it was one of the biggest feast days of the year. It was right out in the middle of everywhere where God and everybody could see it. Amen? And you don't need to be embarrassed about the Holy Ghost. You don't need to be embarrassed about Jesus. Amen? But anyway, that church went right back up to 75, 200 people. By that time, Barbara and I were pastoring, you know, in Kit Carson, Colorado, up the road 60 miles. So that pastor had me come and preach. People got delivered by the power of God, got saved, got healed. Amen? You know, the Spirit of God's been moving in our ministry ever since we started, even before I was full-time. I remember one time this pastor invited me to go to Los Animas in Colorado and preach a revival for him, and I went, and this man came, and he was on a cane and everything, and I prayed for him, and God healed him. I mean, it was supernatural, and he came in there limping, was on a cane. He walked out complete without the cane, and then he didn't come the rest of the week, and I thought, wow, I wonder what happened. And then the next year, the, the pastor invited me back, and, and the man was there, and he was still healed. The next year, he said, oh, I had to go to work. <laughs> I couldn't come the other days that you were there. But you know what? The, the, the Lord works. The Spirit of God is moving. And, you know, there's a, there's a scripture actually in Amos 8. I think it's Amos 8, 11. But it says in the last days, there will be a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. Some people say it's a famine of the word. The word of God has always been preached. The Word of God, there has always been a move of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes there has been a famine in hearing the words of the Lord. But praise God, we're ready, and we're going to be hearing, and we're going to be receiving, and we're going to be doing what He told us to do. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm so excited. I, I was excited at our flourish. You know, I came in, rejoice, the, the women's conference. And we might open it up to the men, let the men sit in the back or something, but... But I, I don't know, Kathy, Kathy Duplantis has one. She lets everybody come, so make them sit in the back. But anyway, uh, it was okay. But I came in the last day, and the altars were just filled with people, and people were being ministered to, but all over the congregation, people were praying for one another and weeping, and the Spirit of God was moving. I mean, I mean, there were, it was just all over. It was amazing to me what God is doing if we'll allow him. Praise God. Now, Jesus talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. In fact, in John 14, 15, and 16, he was getting his disciples ready for his departure. And he talked about two things primarily. He talked about our authority in the name of Jesus, and he talked about the coming ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing in most churches we leave out our authority in the name of Jesus. We just kind of think, you know, it's all up to God and Whatever will be, will be. But you got some, you got a lot of say about what happens in your own life and different things. You have authority in the name of Jesus. And in a lot of churches, we leave out the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus in John 16 talks about this in verse 7. He says, I tell you the truth, it's expedient, it's very necessary for you that I go away because if I don't go away, then the comforter, he says, the Holy Spirit. The paraclete is the Greek word. The one called alongside, your helper, your advocate, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. 
See, Jesus talked about him in John chapter 14, verse 16 and verse 17. He said, he's with you, but he shall be in you. He said, the world cannot receive him. You have to be born again before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is another work. And, then, and, and so he said, I'll send him to you. And when he's come, he will convict the world. So we talked last week about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? To the world. The primary ministry of the Holy Spirit to the world is this, that he'll convict them of sin. And Jesus says specifically the sin of not believing on me, right? Because if you don't do believe on Jesus, he can't do anything about the other sins, plural, in your life. He says, and of righteousness, and he explains that because I go to my Father. In other words, Jesus was the righteousness of God, and he made righteousness or right standing with God available to every believer when he died and rose again. And then he says, of judgment because the prince of this world Satan is the God of this world. He's the God of this age. He's just not our God. He has already been judged. And if you ever know for just a moment in time how victorious Jesus is and how defeated the devil is and how much God loves you and how amazing God's plan for your life is, did you know what? You're going to be done serving the devil. Hallelujah. You know what? I hate the devil. Praise God. I like something Lester Sumrall said. He said, you ought to hate sickness like you hate sin because it comes from the same place. It all comes from the devil. The devil sins from the beginning. Jesus told some religious people, you are of the, your father, the devil, and his works will you do, his lust, so on and so forth. But you ought to hate sin, sickness like you hate sin. I hate sin. You get that? I hate sin. If you're born again, you ought to hate sin. Now, you love the sinner. God loves sinners, but he hates sin. I'm talking about in your personal life, right? And I, I hate sickness because it comes from the same place. You know what? I hate poverty just like I hate sickness and I hate sin because I know poverty comes from the same place. You know, in some churches, they believe that poverty is holy, We've had people tell Pastor Aaron that they can't come to this church because I preach on prosperity. Well, you just want to be poor then. You, you, you know, in Haiti, they worship the devil and they're poor. Right next to them in DR, they worship God and they're blessed. Well, I think I'd worship God and quit worshiping the devil. It might work out better in life. And I found out that God can bless people wherever that they're at on the planet if they'll start believing in him and believing his word. Amen? But the challenge with that is they just don't believe what the Bible says. Amen? But anyway, thank God we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin, the sin of not believing on Jesus, of righteousness, talking about in the world, that Jesus is the righteousness of God, and he makes right standing with God available to every person who believes on him. And he made it available in his death and resurrection and judgment that Satan has already been judged. He's already a defeated foe. You know, the only power the devil has over you as a believer is deception. So if you can break the deception, you can break his power. Hallelujah. So we need to come out of the darkness and come into the light. But then Jesus begins to talk to believers in verse uh, 12. And he says this, I have a lot of things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, he begins to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church and how he leads the church. Look at verse 13. He says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He says, for he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will show you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore, I said, he'll take of mine and show it unto you a little while, and you shall not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to my Father. Now, Jesus really begins to talk about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to, to disciples, right? To believers or to the church, to the body of Christ, right? What is a disciple, 
First of all, a disciple is a disciplined student of the word. Jesus spoke to the Jews who believed on him in John chapter 8 and verse 30. And in verse 31, he said, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Praise God. So a disciple is, is a disciplined student of the Lord Jesus, a student of the word, one who hears the word and does what it says. A disciple is a doer of the word. Praise God. All right. Secondly, a disciple is a person who walks in love. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, a new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Then he says in verse 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you love one another. We got to keep loving believers. We got to keep loving the body of Christ. You might not like them, but you got to love them. You don't really have a choice about it. Hallelujah. Amen? So we keep loving one another. We keep loving people because the Word says love. But then a disciple, the third thing a disciple does is bring forth fruit. John chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus said this, By this shall all men know that you... No, John 15, 8, he says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Amen? So shall you be my disciples. So a disciple's three things, a doer of the Word, they walk in love. Amen? And they bring forth fruit. Now, the Holy Spirit came to do three things in our life, produce three things. Number one, as believers, he leads us into salvation. Notice what John chapter 16, verse 12 says. Jesus said, I got a lot of things to tell you, but you can't bear them. You can't grasp them. You can't understand them now. However, when he, the Holy Spirit's come, amen? See, he begins to talk about that again. In verse 13, he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth. So the first aspect that the Holy Spirit leads us into is salvation. And then he leads us into revelation. He said he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will show you things to come. I'm going to be glad that the Holy Spirit shows us things to come. We have revelation. So not only does the Holy Spirit lead us in salvation, but he leads us by revelation. Everybody say revelation. I believe every born-again believer ought to have revelation. I believe when you get revelation, it changes the way that you live your life. When you get revelation that comes from God. And the third thing he, he begins to talk about, notice what he says in verse 14, he will glorify me for he will take of mine and show it unto you. So he brings glory to the Father, right, by taking the things that are fa the Father's and, and, and the things that are Jesus and showing them to us. By, 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 so first of all, he leads us in salvation, then he leads us in revelation, and then he leads us in productivity. Now, how do you get productive? You get productive, number one, when you know the will of God, when you know the plan of God for your life. And you get productive, number two, through the Holy Spirit's work in your life, through the fruit. He brings glory to the Father by producing fruit, right? So the Holy Spirit will make you a productive believer. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 15. He says, without me, you can do nothing, but I am the vine and you're the branch. Guess what? When you get the life of the branch or the vine flowing through the branch, the branch will produce fruit. You stay connected to Jesus, and you allow the Holy Spirit to move, and guess what? You're going to produce fruit as a believer. God wants you to be a productive, fruit-bearing branch in his kingdom. Amen? And guess what? It's not hard to bring forth fruit. If you find that it's hard, it's because you're trying to do it in your own strength, in your own power, but it's actually not hard. It's harder to serve the devil than it is to serve God. The Bible actually says the way of the transgressor is hard. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If, if it's hard for you, either you're not allowing Jesus and the Holy Spirit to work through you, you're trying to do it on your own, right? It's, it's either that or, or you just need to get born again and let the Spirit of God work through you. But I wanna talk about this a little bit. He leads us into salvation. He leads us in revelation. And he leads us in productivity. 
when you get born again, you ought to have revelation. And then you, when you get revelation, that makes you productive as a believer. Now, let's, let's go back and talk about salvation. It takes the Holy Spirit to work salvation in your life. You can't get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us first, right? That's what he does in the world. Convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So it takes the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I've found out over the years that I can't convict people. It's pointless trying to convict people in your own power. You can sweat and you know, holler and do all kind of crazy stuff, and you can't. But when the Holy Spirit convicts them. You know, I had a vision of Jesus in 2014. And he told me some things. I saw the glory of God. And he, he told me there's going to be an increase of miracles. And he told me not to worry about the money. He said, just don't worry about the money. There will be plenty of money. Hallelujah. Now, we've had lots of increase since then. We've seen lots of miracles. Shortly after I had that vision, I went to Minneapolis, and I was ministering in Minneapolis, you know, two or 300 people. We were at a hotel. And, and when I was ministering, you know, I was just, allow, I was just allowing the Holy Spirit to move and, and giving some words of knowledge and stuff. And, and people were getting healed. I mean, amazing things were happening. It, it was amazing seeing what the Spirit of God was doing. How people were, I, I remember one young lady, somebody brought her just to kind of, as she was in her 20s, and she had TMJ, and she came up, and the Holy Spirit, I mean, she went, bam, she hit the ground. She's sitting there going. She was just like, her eyes were just like saucers. I'm healed. I'm healed. She kept saying, I'm healed. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know, while this was going on, there were people that came up and they, they were repenting and they, they, were, they were getting saved and giving their lives to Jesus and I wasn't even preaching. The Holy Spirit was convicting them of their sin. The Holy Spirit was convicting them of their need for Jesus. And there's some things that are happening in, you know, praise God right now that are probably like that. Thank God for the move of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for what God is doing. You know, sometimes people are always focused on the devil and what the devil's doing. You know, they, they talk about what's been, happening in Asbury, what's happening in Tennessee, these different things. But there's been a move of God. My son Peter went to Princeton University, and I, I've heard a lot of people preach negative about Princeton. While well, my son Peter was at Princeton, he, he became part of an evangelical group. And there was 25 people in it the year he started. By the time he was a senior, there were 500 people in it. They didn't have enough people to, to man all the Bible studies that were requested. I call that revival. My daughter-in-law, Kendra, went to law school at Duke University, and she worked with a bunch of Christian attorneys to stop sexual trafficking. And she went to a church service while she was at Duke University at a major league baseball field where 500 people got baptized on one Sunday. This is years ago. You know, there was, there was a move of God so strong at College Station, Texas, right? That they were having, they were having a, a big stadium and every Tuesday night they had a Bible study and they'd, they'd have no less than 30,000 students come for a Bible study and worship Jesus. I mean, this was years ago. And all we hear is the bad news sometimes. We don't realize that God is, misses, that God is moving among us in the different thing that he's doing. Praise God. And I call that, you know, secular college students coming to a Bible study, 30,000 of them to worship Jesus. That, that's pretty amazing what God's doing. So th there's different things, but we need to be aware of it. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our own lives and different things. And so, praise God, he's, he's here and he's working and good things are happening. But, but he says this, when he's come, he will guide you into all truth. But, but before that, he says, I have a lot of things to tell you, but you can't bear them. You can't understand them without the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation of who Jesus is. It takes the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation of, of salvation. Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3, and he said, listen, 
He, he said, nobody could do these miracles that you're doing unless God was with him. And in verse 3, Jesus said, verily, verily, except I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot understand. He cannot uh, comprehend. He cannot grasp. He cannot experience the kingdom of God. Notice Nicodemus' question to Jesus was, nobody could do these miracles unless God's with them. <laughs> I want to know more about what's going on. And Jesus said, you got to be born again. Praise God. That's talking about the move of the Holy Spirit. You must be born again. It takes the Holy Spirit not only to convict you of sin, but to work salvation in your life. Nicodemus is thinking naturally. Jesus is thinking spiritually. And so Nicodemus says, no, this is an impossibility. But Jesus said, no. He goes on and say, says in verse 7, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. You, Billy Graham said this. Billy Graham said he, he believed that less than 50% of the people in the United States of America who called themselves Christians were actually born again. Now, I believe in every church that preaches the truth about Jesus, right? I believe that there are people who are born again. But I believe in some of them, there's just a lot less than others. But you must be born again. Hallelujah. Jesus goes on and talks about it in John chapter 4, verse 23. He's talking to the woman at the well, and, and she's saying, hey, you know, our culture says you ought to worship here. Your culture, Jews say that you ought to worship there. What do you say? And Jesus says this in verse 23, John 4, 23 and 24, the hour comes and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeks to, such to worship him. He's seeking people to worship him from the spirit. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in the spirit and in truth. And then Jesus goes on to say, listen to what she says in verse 25. She said, I know the Messiah comes. I know the anointed one comes. I know the, you know, the, the one who has the spirit is coming which is called Christ, the anointed one. And when he's come, he will tell us the truth, right? He'll tell us all things, right? And then Jesus says, I that speak to you am he. I'm the one, I have the spirit, hallelujah, and I am the truth. So when you start worshiping Jesus, guess what? You get, you get born again. And when you get born again, you start worshiping Jesus. You must be born again. Jesus said, listen, Guys, I have a lot of things to tell you, but you can't grasp them. You can't understand them. You, you can't really comprehend them now. But when he, the spirits come, he's going to make them real to you. Praise God. Now, just a few days after that, Jesus was crucified and then resurrected. And after he was resurrected, he came back, right? And he talked to them. He talked to them on the road uh, of Emmaus. But then he talked to them in John chapter 20. And he says, as my father sent me, so send I you. And he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. I, I believe that's when they were born again, when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. They were born of God. And once you're born of God, once you're born again, you begin to get more revelation from God and from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. But it takes the Holy Spirit to lead you in salvation. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of your sin, and if the Holy Spirit doesn't work salvation in your life, you're not going to be saved. In fact, the Bible says that in this, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says that, we were saved by the belief of the truth and the sanctification of the Spirit. It takes the, it's the Holy Spirit that, that works salvation in your life when you believe the gospel, when you believe the truth. Amen? So salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. I love Romans chapter 8. In fact, you can go there. Romans chapter 8. In the first five chapters of Romans, Paul talks, first of all, he talks in the first three chapters about man's need for righteousness. And then he talks about you receive it by grace through faith in, in, in Romans chapter 4. and Romans chapter 5, he says, when you do that, you go from the reign of grace to the reign of righteousness, or from the reign of sin and death to the reign of grace and righteousness by faith in Jesus. But then in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, he says, here's how you live, right, since you've been made righteous. You're dead to sin in Romans 6. You're dead to, dead to the law because legalism will kill you just like sin will kill you. You know? I've met some of these really legalistic people. I like something Andrew Womack used to say, they're, they're about as straight as a gun barrel and twice as empty. And I believe in living straight, right? I believe in living right. But at the same time, you need the power of God. 
Some people are so holy, they're dangerous. I mean, they couldn't, I, I, I mean, they're just sometimes, the, what I'm saying, I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying some of these people, they're always looking for what's wrong instead of what's right. They, 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 they miss God, I mean, they're just, they're just kind of dead. And we need to move with the Holy Ghost. I met some at Bible school the other day. God bless them. <sighs> Hallelujah. Amen. Forgive me, okay? <laughs> but you know, just because you're going to Bible school doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you're going to Bible school don't mean you're full of the Holy Ghost. You need to get saved and be full of the Holy Ghost. Love God. Serve God. Amen. Hallelujah. And get, get happy. Amen. I agree with you, Heather. Hallelujah. Pastor Lawson needs to take some of that uh, happiness and joy. Anyway, but in Romans chapter 8, Paul says this. He, he begins to talk about life in the Spirit. When you've been born again, when you've received the righteousness of God, you need to let the Spirit of God live in your life. And the Spirit of God move through you. And he begins to talk about how born-again people have the Spirit of Christ in them. And he says in Romans 8 verse 9, if, it, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, then he's none of his. The first thing the Holy Spirit works in our life is salvation. He says in, t in verse 10, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Then he says in verse 11, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he'll quicken your mortal body by his Spirit that dwells in you. Thank God we've got the life of the Spirit in us, and he's quickening us. Amen, and he's helping us. He goes on and says in verse 12 and 13, Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to, to the flesh to live after the flesh, but if, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. You don't owe your, your flesh the time of day. You don't owe your old man, your old way of living, your old way of being anything. Some people say, I'm going to flesh out. You better watch that. Right? But then he says, but if you through the Spirit do mortify, he says, if you lived after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. And he begins to talk about how the Holy Spirit is leading us, and he leads us into salvation. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, or they are the children of God. It takes the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leads you into salvation. That's the first thing that he leads you in. The second thing is he leads you in freedom. Notice what he says in verse 15. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again. It's not legalism, but it's life. He says, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So he leads us in, in, right, in salvation, and then he leads us in freedom, and then he leads us in acceptance. How many of you are glad you're accepted? You're accepted in the beloved. I love that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm accepted. I've had so many people come to me, well, my mama didn't love me, or my daddy didn't love me, or my preacher didn't love me, or my church didn't love me, or my boss didn't love me. Well, I'm telling you, someone who loves you, his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And if Jesus, you know, loved you, then guess what? You can, you're accepted. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And if he's accepted you, then you can be accepting of other people. I love Dr. Sumrall. He was preaching on this verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, and he said, if somebody draws a circle and puts you on the outside, then you draw a bigger circle and put them on the inside. Amen. So I want to keep loving people. Hallelujah. As much as I can, I want to love people. So the Holy Spirit leads us in salvation. He leads us in freedom. He leads us, you know, notice this in, in verse 15. He says this, he says he leaves us in acceptance. He leads us into sonship. The Spirit, in verse 16, bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. How many of you know that you know that you know that you're a child of God? You know that you know that you know that you're saved, and there's no question about it. Why? Because the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're the child of God. Right? And then it says this, and if children, then we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. He leads us in the promises of God. He leads us in our divine rights and privileges of, uh, as, as the children. If you're, heir, if you're children, then you're heirs. You're an heir of God is my father. Everybody say this. God is my father. And I'm in his family. And he treats me really, really well. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Heirs of God and joint heirs. Equal heirs together with 
Christ. That means whatever Jesus has is ours. Praise God. So the Holy Spirit leads us. He leads us in salvation. He, he leads us in freedom. He, he leads us in acceptance. He leads us into the family of God, you know, into sonship. And, and you know, there's neither male nor female in the Spirit. You know, when I saw the glory of God, I thought it was a woman. And then as I meditated on it and, 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 I, and I thought about it, I realized what I saw when I saw the glory of God is I saw Jesus. It's like in Revelation. His hair was white as wool. It was like sticking up in the air like that. And his eyes were flames of fire. And out of his eyes, they were orange and red and, and yellow. They, they were in the fire of his love. Hallelujah. I realized when I saw the glory of God that I saw Jesus. And, it, it, and at first I thought it was, there's neither male nor female in the spirit. I'm talking about the spirit, our eternal being when we live in the presence of God. It's, it's really an amazing thing when you begin to think about it. But we're, he leads us in these things and he says this. He says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Thank God we're heirs of God and join heirs with Jesus. Whatever he has is our, he leads us in the promises of God. So the Spirit of God leads us as believers. But not only does he lead, lead us and he leads us into salvation, but he leads us, amen, into revelation, and, and if we go back to John chapter 16, in John chapter 16, Jesus talks about this in verse 13. He says, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will lead you in the truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will show you things to come. He'll give you revelation. He'll guide you into truth. I like to say the Holy Spirit's like a CNI dog. And sometimes, see, we see in the natural well, but sometimes in the spiritual we don't. But the Holy Spirit will lead you. Praise God. He'll say, stop here. He'll say, turn here. He'll say, go this way. Right? The Holy Spirit will lead you. And it says, he'll, not only will he guide you into truth, he will show you things to come. Now, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 26. And he says, but when the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he, when he comes, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance whatever I've said to you. One of the first things that the Holy Spirit will do in your life is the Holy Spirit will make the Word come alive to you. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in that Bible study years ago, one of the first things that happened is the Word came alive to me. I began to devour the Word of God. It, it just came alive to me. There were days that I would nearly read the whole New Testament in a day. Who cares about your three chapters? I mean, I, I, I just would consume it. The Word came alive to me. You know why I got baptized? I got born again in a church that didn't teach water baptism. I got born again in a friend's church because we had two Sunday school teachers that were teaching from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you need Jesus. But praise God, I got saved there. And then we went back to the church that we came out of when we moved back to Lamar, Colorado. And they believed in salvation and water baptism, although I never remember seeing anybody water baptized in that church. But then I went to a Bible study before I was water baptized, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and when God filled me with the Holy Spirit, immediately, you know, I, I begin to know certain things. I, I begin to get revelation about the future. I begin to get revelation about my life, about what God wanted me to do and accomplish in life. The Word of God, then it came alive to me. So I started reading in the Bible, and I saw in the Bible when they got saved, they got baptized. So I went to my pastor, and I, and, and I went to my Sunday school teacher, and I said, I need to get baptized. Because in the Bible, when they got saved, they got baptized. I'd been saved for six years, but the church I got saved in didn't teach water baptism. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like in the book of Acts chapter 10. When Peter went to Cornelius' house and preached Christ unto them, you know, he was preaching Christ and they got saved and started speaking in tongues. And they said, well, if they received the Holy Ghost like us, I guess we can baptize them. And then they baptized a bunch of them. Hallelujah. Because they heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. But I started reading the word. And it's like, oh, when they got saved, they got baptized. So I need to get baptized. If, if you're in this church and if you're born again and you've never been water baptized, we're going to have a water baptism service coming up the Wednesday night before Easter. 
I think it's uh, Wednesday night, April 5th. Praise God. So if you want to get baptized, call in the church. We're going to have, we've already got several that have told us, but we're going to have a water baptism. And then on Thursday, we're going to have the Flourish Women's Ministry. And then Friday night, on Good Friday, what they call Good Friday, Jesus was probably crucified on Thursday, but on Good Friday, we're going to have a, a divine healing service here at the church. Amen? We've been doing this for years. And then on Saturday, we're going to have our men's fellowship. And then Sunday, we're going to have two great celebration services, celebrating the resurrection. Tell some people it's coming. Praise God. It's a great time to get people to come to church. Hallelujah. People are hungry and thirsting for the things of God. They need to see a move of the Holy Spirit. They need to see that Jesus is alive. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Anyway, the Holy Spirit will make the Word come. That's the first thing is the Holy Spirit made the Word come alive to me. And then the Holy Spirit, notice this in John 15 verse 26. Jesus goes on and talks more about the Holy Spirit. When the comforter, the, the advocate, the one who's called alongside, your helper has come, who I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of the truth, who proceeds from me, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads us in a relationship with Jesus, and he testifies of Jesus. Some people are connecting people to other things except Jesus. You know, but they need to get connected to Jesus. It's only Jesus who can save you. It's only Jesus who can help you. Hallelujah. You need Jesus. Hallelujah. Not only that, the Holy Spirit will make the covenant real to you. I like this, this scripture in Psalm 25, verse 14. It says, the secret of the Lord is with them who fear him. To them will he show his covenant. The secret of the Lord. God has secrets. He wants to show them to you. Those who respect their relationship with him. He said, then will he show his covenant? I thank God for promises and different things the Holy Spirit shown me from the covenant. Hallelujah, different promises. You know what? I'm a, I'm a very blessed person. You know, I was talking to Barbara about somebody that's at my gym. This guy's up in his 80s. He's an engineer. He's healthy and strong. And he talks to me, you know, and he, he owns a house here. He owns a house in Orlando. And then he said, oh, yeah, I got a, I got a you know, place where I live downtown. Then I got one of these casitas at the club, and I'm a member here, and then I'm a member at the, you know, I swim down at the club of Colorado, and that's only so much. I said, Barbara, the guy must be rich. He said, well, you know, you're rich. And I really am. I'm really blessed. God's been really good to me. But you know what? If you have a relationship with Jesus, I really don't believe God wants anybody to be poor. I don't believe he's a respecter of persons. I think if you start believing the promises and start, you know, living the, the principles of the word. You can be a blessed person. I don't, I just don't see what the big, big deal is about it. But the church has taught people for years it's holy to be poor, right? Aaron can tell you all the history about it. I can just tell you that. And the church that taught that and really ingrained that was the Catholic church, and they got all kinds of wealth, and I love the Catholics. Okay, I got good friends that are Catholics, and I know some Catholics that know Jesus and are filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know some that probably don't. Hallelujah. Amen. But, you know, I had a, a, a man that was a Catholic when I came here. He helped me with a bunch of legal work and did a bunch of stuff absolutely free of charge. I, I know the man knew Jesus. No question in my mind that the man knew Jesus. His daughter used to watch us on television every day when we were on at 6 a.m. I think we're on at 7 a.m. Praise God. I, I used to go to sporting events and different things when my kids were in school. I'd have these people say, Pastor, why don't you pray? I said, how do you know I'm a pastor? I'm, I'm there in blue jeans and a T-shirt. They said, well, we see you on TV. I said, well, do you like the program? Yeah. Why do you like it? Because you preach the Bible. Where do you go to church? Well, I go to St. Paul's. Hallelujah. The man that, I, that helped me so much went to St. Paul's. Praise God. His daughter watched me on television every day. There was another friend that went with him, and I used to go run in Stratton Forest behind our place over there in the southwest side of town. And I'd go run in the morning. She'd stop me at the gate many times and say, I watched you on television this morning. She's a Catholic lady. Then she started going to this kind of evangelical Baptist church on 8th Street. And then last year when I was preaching up at Andrew Womack Ministries at Summer Family Bible Conference, she came and said, I love the message. I said, where are you going? We're going to Pastor Mark Coward's church. Hallelujah. See, you grow in your relationship with God and you grow in your experience of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank God. 
We ought to just be about the Father's business. And I see different people in different places. Barbara said, you know, we never criticize other denominations and other people. We try never to do that because it doesn't bring glory to God. You know, we need to work together in the body of Christ. You know, this week I talked to pastors from a number of churches about what's coming up in the election. I'm, I'm telling you why I'm, why I'm concerned about the election because we got 10 people and the mayor of Colorado Springs. We got a wonderful conservative county and community. And we're about two-thirds conservative, and we've got 10 running on the conservative side, and we've got two running on the liberal side. One of the liberals doesn't stand a chance, but the others could. And if all the Democrats go out and vote for the liberal, we could have a, a, a liberal mayor in our conservative community because the, the, the conservatives don't know how to get together and stand behind somebody. And so, you know, I had one of the candidates come the other day, and I said, listen, I love you. I love your pastor. I love your, I mean, I love the church that you go to, and I know that you know Jesus. But I said, my concern is that you can't win. And he told me, he said, I agree with you. Take a miracle for me to win. The Democrats have something going that the Republicans need to get a hold of, and that's called unity. We need to figure out who to stand behind and get together and work together. Bunch of nuts. I know you don't like some stuff. I don't like some stuff. I know there may be people that think more like me, but they don't stand a chance in the world of winning. So I'm trying to get behind a somebody that, that believes God and somebody that will stand for righteousness principles that might be able to get elected. So I called a number of pastors in this, in this town, and, and I'll just tell you what some of them told me. They were supposed to be very political. They said, well, we're going to see who wins, and then we're going to stand behind them. We won't stand up for nothing. I got kind of mad at one of them, and I love him. He's a good friend. He... But I called one, you know God's overhauling some of my relationships. You know, I say everybody needs a Paul, everybody needs a Silas, everybody needs a Timothy. Well, I had two Silases, you know, separate from me last year. Two of my mentors that are in the financial realm went home to be with Jesus. I actually had a vision the other night. I was, I was walking down this road to the gravesite where I was burying my friend, and he came walking up alongside me and called my name. It was like Jesus on the road to Emmaus. You know, he's just as real and he's just as alive as he was before. Yes. Hallelujah. He's just as real. Jesus is just as real and just as alive as, 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 he, as he was. Dying is not a problem for believers. It's like you, you just get, it's just like walking through a door and everything's better. I actually have a good friend that went to heaven. He, he uh, you know, a number of years ago, he told me about it. Ten years ago, he died in the hospital, and they shocked him and brought him to life. He said, I was actually mad at him for bringing me back to life. He said, it was so wonderful. He was 53 when he died. He's 63 now. He said, but I was actually mad at him for bringing me back to life because it was so wonderful being in the presence of Jesus. Wow. Hallelujah. Heaven is real, guys. Jesus is real. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. But we in the church need to work together. We need to work together. We need to do our best to make a difference here on the earth and to stand up for what's right and true and good. But we need to use our brains too. And the Holy Ghost gives us revelation. Thank God he shows us things to come. We have revelation by the Holy Spirit. Thank God I called two other pastors. One of them's an evangelical pastor. He was the second big church to open up in the pandemic. He was right behind me a week. He, you know, he doesn't teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit like we believe, but he's a great pastor. When I called him, he said, he was in Israel. He actually answered his phone and talked to me, and he said, listen, I've been concerned, so have him call me, amen? And I called another spirit-filled brother that I heard is a lot like me, and he said, I've been praying about that. We need to know who we, we get behind, praise God. And I'm going to call some more. Because the church needs to get together. And I believe when we in the church get together and we get in unity and we seek God, that we can see, that we can see change that affects our communities in a positive way. Amen. Hallelujah. But we can't stand up and say, well, I'm just going to see what happens because I'm, I'm so political. I don't want to lose anybody in my church because I stand up for somebody. 
We let fear rule us. And we're supposed to be the leaders. We're supposed to be standing up. We're supposed to be making a difference. And we let fear rule us. We're more concerned about what the world thinks than what God Almighty thinks. Hallelujah. Forgive me. Okay. Hallelujah. Jesus said, listen, the Holy Ghost will guide you into truth, and he'll show you. He'll give you revelation. We have revelation. Listen, life is not fair. We have favor. You know, Isaiah 28 prophesies about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it says this, with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to these people. He says, for line must be upon line, precept upon precept, and, and the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just another aspect of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be preaching on it next week, but when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and when you let the Holy Spirit have a way in your life, the Holy Spirit will make the Word come alive to you. Praise God, we need to stand up. We need to let the word rule us, praise God. And then as we read on down, not only does he give us salvation and he leads us in revelation. Thank God I've got revelation. I've had God give me words about my business that have changed my life. I've had God give me words about my church that have changed my life. Thank God I'm led by the Holy Ghost and led by the Spirit rather than being led what, the, you know, when I came here to start this church, I went to six banks before I found a banker that would finance my house with 50% down. And the first banker that I went to looked at my, you know, 1040 and she said, you can't even afford to buy a lot here, let alone a house. Well, see, she wasn't listening to the same spirit that I was, so I just had to go to five more bankers before I found one that would loan me the money. But I am a super blessed person. And if you listen to the Holy Ghost, I believe God wants everybody to be blessed. I don't believe, I believe that's his plan. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. Hallelujah. I better stop that. Okay, hallelujah. So he leads us. He gives us revelation. We have revelation. I've had revelation from God about my business. I've had revelation from God about the church and about the ministry. I, thank God we've got revelation. We wouldn't be in this building if we didn't have Holy Ghost revelation. But then not only does he lead us in salvation, lead us in revelation, but he leads us also in productivity. Look at this as we read on down. He will glorify me for he'll receive of mine and he'll show it. I believe he shows us the Father's plans. Glory to God. He shows us. You know, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, one of the first things that happened to me when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden I said, you know what? I'm going to spend my life doing this. I'm going to spend my life preaching the gospel. I, I couldn't have told you whether I was going to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I didn't know anything about them. But I knew that this is what I was called to do. And, and I knew the moment that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit that this was what I was going to spend my life doing. Amen. He'll, he'll reveal the plan of God to you. He'll show you the Father. I knew certain things about him. Some of those things I didn't even enter into for over 20 years after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he reveals, you know, when, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, I got a lot of things to show you. I'm showing you right now, but I'm going to show you some as you walk with me. Hallelujah. He, he shows us the Father's plan, and God's got a good plan for life. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? He can help us every day. You know, I walked in the bank the other day, and there's a kid sitting there with a big old cowboy hat reading a book, had a big old gold cross on him. I walked back out, and I said, what you reading? He has a security guy. He said, oh, I'm reading the Bible. I said, well, that's good. He said, well, I re read the, the King James, and he had kind of a cheap translation, you know, paperback. I said, well, i tell you what. I said, I... I walked back in and I gave him $20. I said, if you go on Amazon, you can get a, a, what's the modern English version? I really like the modern English version of a modern version. I like New King James, but I actually like the modern English version better. And he said, next time you come in here, he said, when you, I said, I come in every couple, next time you come in here, I'll be reading it. Hallelujah. You know, there's people all around that, that are hungry, that are thirsty for God. And we, we need to be, we just need to be, open to what the Holy Spirit's speaking to us so we can share Jesus with the world around us. But, but when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I said, this is what I'm going to give my life to. 
God says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and, and an expectation. Hallelujah. Amen. How many, how many of you know God has a plan for our life and it's a good one? And he leads us in revelation, not in productivity. What is the Father's purpose? What is his plan? There are many plans in a man's mind, but the, the Lord directs his step. Proverbs 16, 9 says something like that. Amen. Thank God, God has a plan for our life and it's a good one, but he also leads us in producing fruit. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in our life. Let's go to Galatians chapter five. I'm gonna end right here in Galatians chapter five. I'm just gonna read. I didn't get to all my verses. See, last week I planned on preaching all this to you. So I only got half done last week and I'm having a hard time getting done with the other half this week. But God is so good. But in Galatians chapter five, let's just read. You can read verse 16 to verse 25 on your own, but let's read verse 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and, and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You've been made alive in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads you right in salvation. You've got the life of God. You've got the nature of God. You've got the spirit of Christ. You've been made alive. If you live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. God wants you to become a pr productive, fruit-bearing member of the body of Christ, a pr productive, fruit-bearing branch. And I believe the Holy Spirit. He leads us in salvation. He leads us in revelation. But as he gives us revelation, I believe that we become fruit-bearing members in the body. Not only that, but we're walking out the purpose and the plan of God. And guess what? God's plan for you is better than your plan for you any day of the week. Amen? It's the best way to live. So just let Jesus live his life big in you and let the Holy Spirit have his way. Amen? And as you let the Holy Spirit have his way, there are amazing things, amen, that he has for you. You know, when we first came here, we, we went to Kit Carson and started our first church in 1988 with a group of believers and we pastored there for 13 years and then we came here to Colorado Springs. And I remember we'd been here for about a year and I was walking out in Bear Creek Park on a Saturday afternoon and I was praying, God, where's my church gonna be? What, what are you, he says, that's for me to know and you not to know. He says, Lawson, faith is a journey. Enjoy the trip. Amen. Let me tell you, life with the Holy Spirit is a journey. It's an amazing journey. When Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, Paul, I'm going to show you some things now, but I've got a lot more to show you as you walk with me. So faith is a journey, guys. Enjoy the trip and let the Holy Spirit lead you in salvation and revelation and in the plan and the purpose of God in your life. And you'll become a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the body of Christ. Love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.